0: It, it, they almost contradict themselves because it's like, well, creativity is all about going outside the box, while discipline is about like, it's like it feels like rigid and structured, and it can feel like a prison, right, to, uh, creative people. But I've been finding out recently myself that discipline is kind of the key to taking your raw talent. And it's like, all right, now it's time to apply it, and how do we manifest it in the best way possible, where you actually get the results done.
1: Hello and welcome to the Merit Makers podcast. My name is Chris Scamra. I'm your host. We are going to be today featuring a documentary filmmaker local to the Columbus, Ohio area named Nathan Agin. I'm super excited to get into this episode today. I wanted to give you guys a couple quick notes before we head into the main episode. And uh, the first is to our video audience. For those of you who may be new to the show, we are currently... Broadcasting on audio and on video, we are going to be releasing on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also places like YouTube or Vimeo, where we will be uploading a video version in addition to the typical audio podcast format. So uh, for those of you who may be listening in the car or Uh, over just the audio version, please feel free to come check out the YouTube channel at Merit Makers or Merit Makers Podcast. If you search that in YouTube, you should be able to find our show fairly easily and then you can watch the interview as well as any type of portfolio items or videos or films that are shown during the show itself. So with that quick note out of the way, I also wanted to give a specific episode one note to our video audience. Unfortunately, just like every other new thing that comes up, there are some bumps along the road as we go through trying something new. Uh, And with that being said, I wanted to make sure that everyone knew Uh, We did have a few hiccups during our recording of this first session, and that is mainly to do with the angle that I'm looking through right now. This camera that uh, you are seeing on the video side of things, unfortunately, was not recording (laughs) during our first interview with Nathan. So um, just wanted to give a quick note out there for future episodes. We should have everything up and running. But just in case anyone was wondering where is Chris's angle, just wanted to put that out there and let everyone know unfortunately we did not have this angle going so um mainly in addition to that i also wanted to mention the reason why i put this show together and there's, there's a bunch of different reasons for this. However, the main one is to be sort of an anti-catch-22, uh, as well as a networking platform and a, a connector for my local film community. So for those of you who may not know, I live in Columbus, Ohio at the moment. I am local to the Midwest. There are so many creatives that I'm looking forward to speaking with and bringing on the show that are in town And uh, the main purpose of this show is to provide both a platform and a connection for those creatives. I essentially uh, in the past found an issue with uh, my own networking skills where I just need to get myself in front of the right people. And so if you are one of those creatives that... Uh, is just looking to connect with other filmmakers or photographers, uh, or if you are looking to essentially get in front of more people, I wanted to provide a place for people to be able to do that. And so that's what this show is tailored towards. In addition to showing off your, um, your work ethic, your mindset, your portfolio, uh, in addition to your story... I want to make sure that I can provide a place where people can come to create sort of an additional portfolio item. That's another sort of bonus to this show is that you can take these episodes uh, as a filmmaker or photographer or any artist really. It doesn't have to be specifically oriented to film. Uh, to then bring this episode or this piece of content to someone who would want to hire you, whether if you're in video, you could send this off to a video production company you want to work with, or if there's a producer that comes into town that's looking to hire on crew for a show, uh, you can send them this episode to help them get to know you a little bit better in addition to your portfolio and your other work that they would always ask for. So I thought that this would be a fun little experiment to try out and see uh, if I can pull off a podcast. So, for me personally, this is a way for me to get to know my guests and also give those guests a platform. So that's kind of the, the whole reason why I'm putting this together and that is the uh, main purpose of the show in addition to creating and connecting community. So if you are one of those people If you're a local freelancer in town, maybe you're a young filmmaker or someone who doesn't really have too many connections in the field that's in the Columbus area, I want to provide you with an opportunity to also come on this show and uh, share your mindset, share what you've done so far, or maybe tell people where you want to go so that people can find out and hear uh, where you as a creative want to grow. Uh, If you are one of those people please feel free to check out the form that is below this video. I know uh, the audio listeners, this isn't as applicable. But if you are also listening on somewhere like Spotify or Apple podcasts, uh, please also go to the YouTube channel in the description of our video today uh, will be a regularly appearing form, it should be a Google form or something similar, where the listeners of this show can go and uh, basically apply to be a uh, be a guest. It really isn't an application process. It's, It's more of a hey um, let's try and get you on the show here's some basic information that I'll need my main problem with networking is that at a point you can only reach out to so many people I only know of so many individuals Um, I figured that if there are people that want to come on this show and essentially do what Nathan is doing in his interview and sharing about himself and his work Um, you as an artist or as a creative can essentially apply and let me know you exist. That's the big hurdle. Uh, And then I can work on getting you into the show. So if you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, please feel free to find the YouTube channel, go to the link underneath each video uh, and apply through the Google form or whatever form I have on that page. So this ramble is coming to an end. I appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen so far. And with that being said, let's get into our interview with Nathan Agan. And here we are. Nathan Agan, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. I really appreciate it. Hope you had a safe trip. Um, to start off the episode, uh, and we do things a little bit differently here on the show. I'm looking to see if you can maybe share with us some of your social links, just so we can get an idea of how to reach you and how to contact you.
0: Yeah, so my Instagram is at Agan Visuals. Uh, my Twitter is the same. YouTube, it's uh, youtube.com slash C slash Agan Visuals. I go by Nathan Agan on there. Um, and yeah, so. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: thank you for taking the time.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Like I said, it's my first uh, in person podcast interview, actually. Um, so I appreciate it. Glad that to experience. be the first. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%.
1: So. I'm sure I've already said this in the intro of the show, but to give you an idea of what we were about here, essentially what the Merit Makers podcast is oriented towards is making sure that people can have a connection with fellow filmmakers. Mm-hmm. We're trying to be a anti-Catch 22 a connector for local freelancers and creatives. So this show ultimately aside from wanting aside from uh, taking the time to talk about your story, as well as sort of how you got into the industry, we're also looking to display people's skill sets, their work, their portfolio. So um, just to reference my notes here, uh, what is specifically, would you say is your skill set in the industry? What is it that you say you are best at uh, and in the field currently at this moment? Mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tough question because I wear a bunch of different hats for what I do. Um, I guess my strong suit would probably be editing. Um, That's what I started with. I started messing around with editing God, so long ago. Um, but if I had to put a, you know, a pinpoint year, probably like 2012. Um, so that's my main thing, but I also direct, um, I also, you know, produce a little bit. I don't really like producing all the way. It's a little challenging. Um, but it's also nice to kind of, you know, learn as much as you can. And that's one thing you know, I, I like about what you do as well is that you, you're not afraid to try anything and you just, you do it all. So yeah,
1: absolutely. I think mm-hmm. we're kind of in the same boat and, uh, not to go too deep into the backstory before we get there but mm-hmm. you and i originally met do you, do you remember did i reach out to you or did, did um, you see me because there's we were working together on a pod not a podcast that's what we're doing right now we <laughs> were uh working together on a project for i believe it was was it tristan's or wayne webb's bowling alley was Yeah, it? It was
0: wayne yeah wayne webbs uh which is tristan's was basically kind of there too but yeah yeah that yeah, was, was a commercial for that.
1: That was like right at the beginning of the pandemic when mm. everything was so unknown and not really, uh, there were no results or we didn't know what was going on for yeah. testing or how the virus was going out. So yeah. unfortunately I had to, I had to dip out of that because family issues, but yeah,
0: it was, it was, I mean, it was basically illegal to record that, uh, that commercial. So like, I don't blame you. Um, that was a weird time. Yeah. I think we met because, uh, I think we met through Nathan or Nate. Martin. Yeah, Nate Martin. Yeah. So you, I think you reached out to me, and we just set up a call, and um, and I, you know, I respect you since because I've always said these days that it's so easy to connect with people, and there's just really no excuses anymore. And you're someone that obviously just takes the jump. You don't really, you know, you just go for it. And so, uh, ever since then, you know, we've been connected, and and here we are, a year later. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, Thank you. One
1: hundred uh. I think this episode should be more about you than it is me. No, I'm, I'm so just saying.
0: I just want to set it out there, you know, set it out there. So
1: I, I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, it's cool to hear that you're sort of a one-man band. That's kind of how I've perceived you through our limited interaction online. And hopefully someday we'll be able to work on something in person after COVID or 100%. if we can find out a way to do it the correct way mm-hmm. uh, during, that would be even better. Um, with that being said... I'm wondering uh, how how do you approach your work currently? Because I know you've got some stuff that we're going to talk about in a little bit in terms of mm-hmm. portfolio projects coming down the pipe. Um, in terms of your approach, a way you described how I do is I, I jump in, which I think is, is pretty accurate. If I find something I want to do, I figure mm-hmm. out a way to do it. Um, but are you more, say, uh, do you more plan before you go into anything? Or are you... More of just a hey let's give this a shot If it doesn't work out then it doesn't work out
0: uh it's lovely both ways it depends what it is um and so for example when it's a documentary um that's obviously commitment and you want to make sure not only do you not waste your time but you don't want to waste other people's time so if you interview a bunch of people and then you say oh actually this is not a good idea anymore uh that's probably not good to do so for me what i do is i do a lot of niche documentaries and so the first thing i do is check online to see kind of um, what the community is like around that topic and the demand. Um, because sometimes either the community is just not strong enough around it, and, and you know sometimes there's problems, for example, of like if you have a big game, or a big, uh, you know, my example would be a game, but any topic, and if there isn't like a focused hub for that community, um, I actually won't pursue that idea. Um, and the main reason for that is is it'd be very hard to, Spread that film to those people, right? So we're right off the bat. So I'm usually I'm thinking like in the marketing wise first Um, And obviously you think of you know, if it's a cool topic first, so that's the first thing marketing and then um, I start looking around to see um, How likely it is I can land interviews with people because it is important to be realistic a little bit um, But you also, you know Just want to jump in a little bit. So it's a it's a it's a balance But with other stuff that I do usually it's it's kind of just like yeah, let's just do it. Let's just try it out so
1: yeah, kind of like how we're jumping into this first episode. Exactly.
0: hundred percent. yeah,
1: yeah with um, with that being said, too, it's' I'm, I'm thinking about how people take on um, either taking on new projects or um, working to establish new connections. For instance, with Covid, uh, on my end, at least, I've been trying to make sure I can interact with and get to meet as many people as possible. There's a problem that I found for myself in the past where, Uh, I know I have the skill set to pull off uh, this filmmaking thing or video production, whatever you wanna call it. Mm -hmm. I know how to work a camera. I can set up at least basic audio. I know how to produce. I know how to make a project. Mm -hmm. I know how to shoot video, photo, whatever it is. I have the skill set and I know I have at minimum the, the personality, the people skills to make it happen. I just need to get myself in front of people so that I can meet those who would do it with me, make a team, form, uh, connections because in our business networking is everything um, who you know is in some cases more powerful than what you know uh, which is unfortunate in some no other cases but um, with that being said that's kind of the goal of this show in a sense is to help bring on people in the local Columbus area and even over the Midwest if people want to travel uh, but to bring together people in our area that have that similar mindset where they're just looking to get in front of the right person. And mm. It doesn't even have to be a uh, producer or a big production company that will hire them or a client. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can just be other creators, other people that are looking to uh, meet them just as much as they are wanting to reach out and uh, make new connections as well. With that being said, like that's why I'm super excited to start bringing on people such as yourself and mm-hmm. all kinds of other people I'll be inviting on. Um, with that, though the uh another goal of the show is to showcase portfolio Mm -hmm. and content that other people are making to sort of to sort of help promote them as artists and creatives so I know you have a uh, directing slash editing reel that just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you care to talk about that, for instance? And for those of us who are watching on video, uh, <laughs> we have the show going up on places like Spotify, hopefully Apple Podcasts as well. But on top of that, we're also uploading each episode to YouTube. For those of you who are listening online uh, on audio, please feel free to check out the YouTube channel at Merit Makers Podcast. Um With that being said, we'll be showing your reel in just a moment. Do you Hmm. want to talk about that a little bit first or?
0: Yeah, Um, I'm trying to think what to say about that. Um...
1: Maybe it'd be best to talk about it after, perhaps?
0: Yeah, go for it. Okay, sure,
1: so. Like we said, first episode, still working out some some of the kinks, so we're gonna play that and then we'll be right back. Okay, so that was pretty impressive. Um, I know very little about your history and sort of what's been happening with you in between when we first met at the beginning of COVID and now. Um, and I'm sure that lots of people who are watching uh, have just seen this on YouTube. For those of you who are watching on audio, please make sure to go check out the actual reel, it will be included in the episode. Um, with that being said, if you could maybe share some highlights or maybe some of your favorite parts of or favorite portions of that reel and talk about some mm-hmm. of the projects that you've put together just to give everybody an idea of sort of what your process was or, or uh, what went into that. Um, yeah, just go for yeah. it.
0: Um, yeah, my favorite thing um, is definitely the range of, of you know topics for those. And uh, the one th- cool thing about those projects is every single one of them that's in there um, is 100% edited directed and produced by me um and that's not something that i try to do uh in terms of, like i don't seek that out but it's just something that kind of shows like you know uh people it's hard to convince people to give you opportunities especially a director's role or a producer role um, so for me it's just like man i just gotta go out and just make it make it happen right uh and so yeah there's a wide range of different you know projects on there from you know, really beautiful documentaries uh, like the Cho documentary, which is an emotional story of my friend Corey. Um, all the way to stuff like uh, a Wizard One One doc, which is just huge difference between those two. Um, and I absolutely love the editing on it. I'm not going to lie. Um, I started as an editor. So I really felt like I had to come through and really show my strength on that. And I think one thing that was really interesting um, is there is a project in there from uh, like 2018 in there. And I was actually able to like fix a lot of things in there that I never was able to fix before. And I did it without like the raw files too. So like there's like certain effects where there's a there's a clip of showing this woman named Chantel, and then it zooms up to the sky of like showing like this the, the sun leaking through the leaves. And that scene always bothered me because it was so like uh jaggedy and not smooth. And it bothered me for so long, even after you know I put it out. And so being able now, uh, two years later, to go back and understand like, oh, I know, I, I know how to fix this now, not even with the raw footage. Like just stuff like that. It's just nice being like seeing that improvement, you know, Definitely. stuff like that. Yeah.
1: That's one thing that I have, uh, a, a, something I'll probably bring up a lot on this show and just in life in general mm. is uh, one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the course of 2020 is the power of knowing. And that is, so to speak, um, once you figure out how to do something or once you know the ins and outs of whatever that big challenge is or whatever that roadblock that you're facing, that big scary thing, Hmm. once you assess it and figure out what it is and once you know I have nothing else to learn about this, everything is super clear and concise and you can see it fully. I'm taking a long time to explain this, but the point is once you know (laughs) that, it becomes less scary. And, it, and there's, there's less stress, there's less anxiety. Mm. The power of knowing for me has been huge because now I can, for instance, learn how to make a podcast and I know all the, the details of what needs to happen. And so when I think mm. about making a podcast now or someone else comes up to me and says, hey, Chris, uh, we saw what you did with this show or with that podcast, and we want you to do that for us. I can mm. say, yes, absolutely, I can do that. And I don't have to be afraid of, oh, this big new thing is here and I have no clue how to do it. That thought there that I kind of just breezed over is so huge, it's major, where you have this anxiety that kind of takes over your head mm. and it, it gets you in a state where you can't think straight, you can't focus. Uh, mm. You can tell I struggled with this. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, That feeling of helplessness because you don't know how to do whatever that thing is or you don't know about it causes you a lot of pain, grief, uh, all this negativity. Mm. And so once you get over that, um, that's when you can finally be at peace, or know that, and be confident that yes, I know how to do this now. So, yeah, rant over. But I think that's an important thing.
0: You know, that reminds me of one of uh, this quote I really like. It's uh, you got to climb the mountain to master the hill, hmm. and I think that's so true. You just got to do it sometimes. And like you said, when next opportunity comes to make a bigger podcast, or someone wants to hire you to make ones, like you're ready. You know what I mean? And there's also momentum to that because it's like once you figure that out. There's momentum towards the next idea. It's like well, there was this idea on the podcast I didn't know how to do and I figured that out So I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could figure this one out, too And slowly over time you take that over two to three years all of a sudden you feel unstoppable and you feel like you can figure out anything Mm. so, yeah
1: Absolutely, um Mm. in terms of In terms of like looking looking into the future Like I said at the beginning, one of the main goals of this show is to connect creator with creator, Mm. uh, or even just give someone who is looking for people to hire when they come into town, whether it's a director or a producer. Mm. Uh, This show is supposed to serve as a catalog to Mm. connect people, whether it's for a job or for connection, um, to, to connect creators to each other. I'm sounding like a broken record here, but, but what I'm getting <laughs> to is bringing that up, moving into the future and knowing like, hey, I know how to do this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some areas that you want to pursue as a as a filmmaker or as an artist moving forward? I'm wondering what projects Ooh. would Nathan want to take on? What are some things that you would like to have fall in your lap, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, so that mm-hmm. people who either listen to this show... Or people who have friends that listen to the show can find out, hey Nathan wants to do this, so I will contact Nathan mm. because he said he wants to do it and I've seen his real and I've seen his stuff. So that gives them an opportunity to assess your skills. And yeah. I'm kind of explaining things that are that that won't need to be explained in the future. <laughs> yeah. That's that's <laughs> for the you know, first ep- episode that's one episode like one through five, it's probably gonna be
0: a lot uh-huh. of the same stuff. But you get what I'm saying. Any, any
1: thoughts there? You have anything you really want to pursue?
0: Yeah. Um you know, in terms of networking, I'm always down to make documentaries. If someone comes to me about a documentary they want to make, um, I'm always down if if it makes sense on paper. Um, one thing for me, actually, that I've been working on a lot, and I th- hopefully this answers your question, hmm. is uh, I've been working on learning how to produce music recently. Um, because for me, man, if well, one, I've always just loved music in general. But if I could make music for my projects, I feel like there's, an insane level of freedom in that, um, and so for me, that's what I've been working on a lot, um, and I think in the future that's something that I really want to do. I want to be able to make almost all the music for my projects, um, just because at that point, there's no excuses anymore. You know, no copyright problems, um, it, and you can really get your vision down. You know, especially when you start out as an editor, it's like you know exactly how that's going to play out. So I think that's a, that's a, you know the main one for me. Um, and I'm I'm always down to cloud with people. Like I love editing, I love shooting, uh, sound not so much. But uh, anything besides sound, uh, yeah, I'm gonna do it. So
1: there you go. Okay. Yeah. Would you say in that capacity then, um, in terms of your video, are you more of a? I, my understanding is that you're more of a one man band. Are you open mm-hmm. to coming on for crew work or mm. is there any um, any roles if you were to bring be brought onto a team yeah, yeah. that you'd wanna that you? Want um, to it see?
0: would it would probably have to be like video editor, um, like around there, um. With other stuff, uh, I'm not so as interested on um, joining crews currently um, for, like, sets and stuff. I think in the future, maybe. Um, but with documentaries, you know, um, I feel like I have a pretty good ex- amount of experience with that, uh, you know, on set, virtual, whether, whatever it be. But I think in the future when I want to do maybe narrative eventually, um, I'll be open to that. But, you know, if, if, if the opportunity is right, you know, I'm always down to consider stuff, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Good to know. Yeah. So with that being said, it's really cool that you're going to be open to maybe doing some narrative work down the line. I know you mainly do documentary stuff right now, so I'll be very interested to see where you go uh, from here to there. Mm -hmm. But with that being said, um, I'm also wondering, like, what is currently on your plate right now? What are some of those portfolio items maybe that you'd want to share or projects that you got in the works? Um, So, yeah, just uh, let's hear it. What's the scoop?
0: Yeah. Uh, So I got five documentary projects currently right now. Um, It's a good amount. Um, but I'm taking my time so basically I'm making a toontown documentary classic game from the early 2000s uh, if, you, if you grew up in the early 2000s, you definitely knew about it probably from the commercials and everything Also doing a runescape documentary a counter-strike documentary and then a minecraft documentary So these are all games that are super close to my heart um, And I think the counter-strike and minecraft one could be pretty big if done, right? Um, and so for people who aren't familiar with what I do basically the idea is I take these niche topics I go straight to the community, ask them what they want to see, because it's not really about what I want, basically. Even though I am a part of those communities and I have a good idea of what they might want, um, it's still important to kind of go to them and see exactly what they want. Um, and, then, and then I make it. Um, and I usually try to just interview uh, as many people as I can from that area. And this is something that I'm also writing an ebook on, um, how to make niche documentaries. And there's a lot of stuff in there that I'm talking about, but a lot has to do with leveraging that's like my main thing is trying to figure out how do I go from being an absolute nobody to talking to someone who's made a game that's worth billions of dollars. Right. And so in this ebook, I talk a lot about the small steps, how to leverage things slowly, how to write emails properly. Right. How do I get press so that then I can use that to leverage into my next email and then therefore and and so on. So, um, that's my mainly, uh, that's mainly what I'm working on right now um, and uh, I've, I've just been having a blast with it man it's it's, it's super cool so yeah
1: sweet man that's awesome mm. uh, it's really cool to hear that you are um, doing stuff on gaming for me mm. and my my own personal experience uh, there is a huge background that I have in video games I have been. Uh, sort of engrossed in the gaming culture for the majority of my teenage life. Recently, I've gotten sort of out of that space. I'll, honestly, I'll probably get back into it after. i was surprised
0: you didn't play during COVID. That was like prime time to play, man. I
1: know, I know. The thing is with me, though, is <laughs> it's uh, being a little bit open here. It's, it's, it was at, an, at a point where uh, I considered it an addiction. Oh, I definitely was, feel that. Yeah. It was unhealthy. And so I <laughs> cut out the majority of it, and then I cut out all of it, and I've just been focused on mm. podcast, video, networking. What
0: did, what did you play back then?
1: Oh, it's my history in general has been a lot of, um, I played a lot of Minecraft growing up as a kid. Minecraft's awesome. It's kind of been like sort of a bridge, I think, from uh, when I was really young, I loved Legos. Legos mm. were fantastic. I played with uh, a lot of those. Um, I was a huge Star Wars nerd, still am, so I also did like Star Wars action figures, mm. Legos. That was kind of like the main tool. You play Lego Star Wars too? Legos yes. Oh, so, so good. Um, in terms of gaming, we had a Wii growing up in a GameCube, so I played a lot of titles on there. Yeah. When I was like uh, maybe 10, anywhere from like nine to 10 years old, I started playing a lot on PC. So there was a lot of strategy games. Uh, Civ? The Total War. I actually didn't play Civ, unfortunately. Mm, Interesting. I played Settlers, Rise of an Empire. Um, Let's see. uh, Age of Empires 2 was a classic, still is. 100%. It's one of my top 10 favorite games. Mm -hmm. Um, On the PC, we also played, um, like I said, Minecraft was kind of that bridge for me in between the gaming world and Legos because you can create. Anything you want, it's mm-hmm. sandbox, the case. Um, and
0: then cost as much money as Legos in real life. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, uh, it's a lot less expensive yes, and a uh, lot less hazardous as well mm. if you've ever stepped on one of those things.
0: Yes, so, definitely, 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: But no, in terms, in terms of early on gaming-wise, that's I played a lot of Minecraft, a lot of strategy. Gotcha. As I grew older, uh, went into a lot of FPSs, so mm. Star Wars Battlefronts, um, the oh, Battlefield man. series, and Call of Duty later on after I was older. Um, and i played a lot of rainbow six siege oh. siege was my absolute favorite game for probably the longest period of time that in like mountain blade warband mm. um i have almost a thousand hours in siege and over a thousand in mountain blade wow those were kind of like my two titles i'm kind of one of those guys that doesn't really have a, a wide variety that i play mm-hmm. but i find games that i really like and mm. just stick with them so yeah that's we're getting into like this is kind of there's a gaming podcast now. it's a gaming podcast now yeah but uh, screw filmmaking yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, it's uh i'm thinking that i'm not going to be able to escape it honestly just because (laughs) we have such a uh there's an integral intertwining uh force between filmmaking and gaming Mm -hmm. they're very similar and so you have so many people in our industry that love gaming and filmmaking Mm -hmm. Down the line, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to kick it entirely, but I'm doing my best right now yeah. because it's it was killing my productivity. So back on a serious note, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really it came down to do I want to spend most of my time playing games or do I want to spend most of my time trying to build the life that I want to live? Mm-hmm. And that is in no way a knock to anyone who loves gaming. Mm-hmm. If you can find a way to make a living doing it, I applaud you. Yeah. Um, in terms amazing, of yeah. like your health, that's my only concern, and it was really, really degrading mine in the past. Mm. And that's also a big reason why I sort of gave it up because I wasn't taking care of myself. And yeah. so once I get to a point where I am able to sustain myself doing this freelance video or, or film thing and I can then learn how to relax again, that's gonna be the big challenge. It's where hard. maybe integrate some more more games where I'm probably gonna be like, Well, I need to find a way to have downtime because yeah. right now it's all work and it's it's gonna take a it toll. It's which is the lesser of two evils is the question yeah. I'm bouncing back and forth.
0: Well, even about. when you get back into it, I find that sometimes uh, it kind of you kind of go back down that hole no matter what. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of hard to you know recently, like I played Counter Strike for I'll, I'll stop talking about video games soon, but yeah, I was playing Counter Strike again recently again um, since I'm making a documentary on it, um, and like you said, I put f- like fourteen hundred plus hours on this game, right? And that's just what the one title. Um, and I played it again recently. I had to stop for the same thing. I was just getting so mad. Uh, playing those competitive games where there's a team involved, it would just ruin my night. Like it didn't matter how good my day was. I would get so mad over virtual points near the end of my day. Uh, and that happened to me recently. I, I was playing it again, I was just like, Man, this is why I quit. It just makes me ugh, just get so mad, but yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's important, like you said, the kind of structure your day to you know, get what you want done. And that's a tough part. So I'm to ask you, like, how do you how do you schedule your day out? Like, do you use a schedule?
1: Yeah, in terms of um, time blocking things, mm. I am on the I am on the track to get to that point. I am not there where mm. I uh, schedule out. I dedicate fifteen minutes to this activity, half ah, an hour to this one. Perfect. At this point in my life, and I'm I'm hoping to get to that point, but right now I am starting from scratch, and I am at the point of let's just get everything I need to get done today on a list, and then start on. The first thing, when I'm when I'm done with that, cross that out, hmm. and then when I get the second thing done, cross that out. And it's how many things can I knock out in a day, and uh, not uh, and not let's time box everything and spend the time on each thing to make sure they get uh, done because I I take long a long time to do some things and yeah it's. Uh, I'm I'm rambling, but the no, long, no, long story it. short of it is is that uh not not quite there yet, but I do yeah. use a to do list well, and it's it's getting
0: there. It gets tricky because there's kind of this problem of like, especially with creative stuff, I and mean, when you try to put time like a time box for let's say like editing, for example, if you set two or three hours to edit, there may be times where the highest level of efficiency. Just runs out at an hour in so it's like what do you do? Do you just like sit there for an hour and basically waste time trying to force yourself to edit mm. or do you just go do something else? So yeah, I definitely get that that's that's a tough thing to and that's one of the things one of the things you just gotta like learn How you work, right? You see a lot of people, uh, you know Listen to advice online of, of how to structure their day, but you just gotta start slow start with try checklists Try a, a time schedule just anything and then just see what works and then go from there. Yeah, so, but I love the idea you said about making sure, like, hey, like, do this for 30 minutes. Because that's something I've been working on myself um, with writing the ebook. I have never, like, I've never been that good at writing. Um, I've never written a book before. And so, my main thing for me has just been in my schedule every time 30 minutes a day, no matter what. Like, we're going to put it in right at the beginning of the day, and you just do it. And you build that consistency over time. And then eventually, the momentum just starts carrying that. Or it's just it's almost just like breathing right Mm. so yeah I love stuff like that it's it's always that's one thing I think creative people can really take away from is um, you know adding discipline into creative life it's one of those things where it really they fight back and forth a lot it it, they almost contradict themselves because it's like well creativity is all about going outside the box while discipline is about like it's like it feels like rigid and structured and it can feel like a prison, right, to uh, creative people. But I've been finding out recently myself that discipline is kind of the key to taking your raw talent. It's like, all right, now it's time to apply it. And how do we manifest it in the best way possible where you actually get the results done? Because, you know, I'm sure, like, your listeners are going to be a lot of talented people, right? But there's always something in the back of your head where it's like, man, I know I could be more than this. Mm. No matter how talented I I might get all these projects done, but it's like, I know I could do more. And so I think um, that's something I would you know that's something I've been working on a lot this year uh, as a goal, and I think um, I think a lot of creative people could benefit from that honestly, and that's something I want to touch on a lot in my new book. So
1: yeah, you just got to keep your head down. That's uh, that's something that I'm learning is I deal with a lot of insecurity when it mm-hmm. comes to looking at other people and their work, and it's not it's not as much. Uh, I forget how young I am I think is is the oh dude, I feel that I Mm. forget that these people that I am uh, aspiring to be like or or that I wish I had their credentials or their experience Mm -hmm. they're in their 40s or 50s man (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I am nowhere near that Mm -hmm. so with that being said it's like no matter this gets into the topic of ageism which is another big thing that I spouse about Mm. Um, but with that being said uh, a key thing to remember wherever you are on your journey is that if you are just starting out or if you are not even out of school yet, if you're in college or if you're in high school keep your head down focus on what you want to do and what you are good at mm. and figure out a way to get to point B from where you are which is either point A or point A, point 5 wherever yeah. you are in between those things mm-hmm. um, because in terms of my in my experience at least what I have found is when I View or when I uh, uh, look at those people that I want to be like, or that I want to obtain their status or their work or their experience, hmm. uh, I find that I somehow end up shutting off my own self-confidence hmm. and I destroy my own self-image. Where I think, for no good reason, I'll never get to that point. Yeah. I will never be like them. I will never have that opportunity. It's just not going to happen. And there's no real, th- there's no real cause to think that, yeah. other than it's automatic comparison. Mm-hmm. And I think you find this ties into the gaming thing as well. You get a lot of people that are in our industry mm-hmm. that are competitive. And that's kind of the draw for um, playing those. And ca- in the case of like the first person shooters, mm-hmm. there's a high amount of adrenaline, high amount of mm-hmm. uh, uh, competition. And that both that progression and that um, competition aspect keep people hooked because you always want to win and yeah. you always want to get better.
0: Well, that's a new problem. The internet as well. That our generation is really the first to kind of experience this at a young age. Mm. Um, obviously, being young, uh, comparing yourself is natural. It's, it's how you align yourself in the world, especially in the industry you're trying to make it in. But for the first time, we actually can see that there's millions of people that are better than us all the time. Yeah, it's the. Whereas yes, yeah, whereas back then, you know, maybe um, you know you might have been the best or. Second best in your little city or your little town uh, But now you see everyone and it's very overwhelming.
1: It's like the ranking system like in, in it, games like exactly in seizure or some any other type of competitive shooter you have like uh, a Copper mm-hmm. gold
0: and that's what calls the most diamond, rage
1: Platinum <laughs> and it's like that you have these levels and mm-hmm. it's and it's really it's I think that you know what,
0: This this brings a really interesting point. It's something I thought about a lot in the past years is is uh, The problem with focusing on status right Mm. like I think it's very important To compare yourself to people that you want to be like in terms of like their work, right? But not the status part Because with the stat like the status will come and go But when you make good work, you keep that forever, right? And this is the problem. I see a lot with our generation is this constant like clout chasing worrying about the amount of followers or comments instead of the actual work, you know, and then they wonder why three years later they're still still not there. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where it's like if you focus on the work, like the status will come anyway. So I never understand that, you know, that confusion a little bit. But, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting what you said about comparing yourself. I think it's really important also. Um, I'm glad that you can relate to comparing yourself to people that are 40 years old and sometimes you're like, hey, like I'm like I'm 20-something, man. Like chill the hell out. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to also like compare yourself to the people you're trying to be instead of just your peers, you know, because I think that's how you grow really fast. Like there is obviously the growing pains like, man, I'm not like that. And I'm down here, What you're supposed to be because you're in your 20s. Um, I think it's very valuable to kind of look at that. Yeah. You know, so.
1: And that's whole that's that is one of the most important pressing reasons why I wanted to make this show mm-hmm. is to not only help provide positive support mm-hmm. not only to provide as much as I hate to say it exposure <laughs> to uh, yeah. creatives who are on that level but also connect people so that we can help encourage one another mm-hmm. instead of have this uh, sense of we're online uh, you have you you have there's this disconnect if you if I were to find another me out there and I didn't know me mm-hmm. um, and I had that sense of uh, discouragement or that sense of insecurity, getting to know that other person or getting to hear about them and kind Mm -hmm. of where they are, what their thoughts are on things, what their mindset or what their work ethic is like allows you to sort of lose a little bit of that insecurity because you get to realize they're they're pretty much just like you. No one is exactly the same, Mm -hmm. right? We're all individuals, but... Um, that's one of, uh, one of the reasons why I think this show is so important, at least in our, I'm going to start in the local area, mm-hmm. but why it's so important for everybody is uh, people don't understand that, and this, I fall prey to this all the time, is I don't understand that the people that I want to be like are people. And yeah, they were once yeah. where I am at. Mm-hmm. And that there is, they've just spent more time and energy than I have because they've had the chance to. If you're comparing the 20, the 20s and the 40s, They got they got twenty years on you if you're a twenty year old and so that's that's a long time.
0: It's a disconnect. That's a it's it's a very long time and people kind of forget about that. Mm -hmm. I mean that's longer that's based as long as you've been alive. I mean imagine doing filmmaking for that long. Like I I hope you better be good by then. You know what I mean? Or you should you should be you should be quitting at that point. So yeah yeah anyway. So
1: well um, speaking of life and all that, uh, I did want to make sure I got your story before we we uh, we left. And and this this show is kind of it's. I I like to think of it as as different than a lot of other, but that's not just because it's my show and I'm biased. uh, (laughs) I am trying to structure this in a way so that, uh, lightly structured, I should say, so that people can get a sense of who you are as a uh, freelancer or who you are as an artist um, and get an idea of your work and your uh, portfolio before we hear the backstory. Um, just to have that networking thing out of the way and then we get into the details. So, mm-hmm. um, not that we're going to spend hours and hours talking about this, but I'd at least love to give you the chance to share sort of where you came from, since this is kind of relevant to what we were just talking a second ago, Yeah. how you got into the industry and we aren't talked about where you want to go. So you don't really need to worry yeah, yeah. about that, but how'd you start?
0: Oh, uh, so you're talking about from how I got into it at first, not like the whole backstory, correct?
1: If you want to go with the whole backstory, okay. you're more comfortable just sharing, okay. like, just your freelance life. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Got um, but if you if you want to go uh, as deep as well, it started when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then uh, go yeah. for it.
0: But, yeah, I was born with a camera in my hand. Actually, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, right, straight out of the womb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be cool. <laughs> It'd be less expensive too. Um, anyway, yeah. So I grew up in the generation of free video editing software like non-linear and if you think about it um if you you know read into film history that's like an absolute miracle um you know growing up in the early 2000s i was born in 1999 growing up in the early 2000s where digital video was not only starting to look better it was getting cheaper and you had windows movie maker for free um and this started a whole new generation of kids being able to mess around from such a young age with n- almost no barriers, right? So I started off very young. Um, the first camera I ever bought was like a $35 camera from the dollar store. I walked like two to three miles from my apartment complex to buy it. Um, and the reason I was able to buy it was because me and my friend David uh, made homemade BB guns and sold it to kids, which looking back, uh, there's a lot of lawsuit problems there. You know, if we, Went further with that, so mm, I, I think so, yeah, yeah. That's, so uh, that's you're, a you're pulling a Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't a very sustainable business model. Um, so I got that camera, and yeah, I just made you know videos with friends, like just messing around. Um, and back then, that was before we had iPhones in our pockets or iPods. So that was magical. It was, it was it was something so cool about you know recording stuff, goofy stuff that we did all the time. But now it's like, wow, we can you know, document this. Um, and what's funny is my first experience ever video documenting anything was uh, us in the woods doing uh, our rock wars, which is literally just throwing rocks at each other, <laughs> which is very stupid. So anyway, yeah, it all started with like very stupid humble beginnings, and, and it worked its way up. Like you know, back in the early two thousands, I was really into uh, making like Toontown edits and Wizard One One edits, which is why this is so full circle for me now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also made like pivot stick figure animations. So basically, it was just trying a bunch of stuff, right? And it's like kind of like reminds me of you a little bit too. It's like the importance of just trying new things and seeing what sticks and what doesn't. Um, and then I went from there. I um, I actually started editing Call of Duty videos, montages. I don't know if you know this about me, but that was honestly still some of my favorite creative memories of all time. Really, I was okay. making this. Yeah,
1: was that your gameplay, or what, did you work for YouTubers? Or, sorry, uh, sorry
0: to interrupt, but yeah. It was mostly for other people. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I wasn't I wasn't that good. Like I was good at sniping in those games, but not like trick shotting. It was mostly trick shotting, right? And so yeah, I edited those for a long time. And that I was just absolutely in love with that community because the idea that you take these really cool clips and you synchronize it to music was just so cool to me. And you could use any song you really wanted to on YouTube, like kind of back then. Um and so I was absolutely hooked. I mean, I did that for three years. So I did that in twenty twelve, starting twenty twelve and then did that to 2015. Um, and then from there, I uh, I was just like, you know what? I should probably um, start getting my future set a little bit. I was like, I should probably do something in my life because at this point, I just only played video games and hung out with friends, right? I was terrible at school. So I was I was like, all right, I should probably start trying to make a career here or something. So I started editing some real-life footage and uh, I actually ran out of footage at some point. So I just bought a camera <laughs> i just bought like a, i don't know, like a, it was like a panasonic it wasn't even a dslr it was just like some point and shoot basically um it was a terrible camera my iphone literally shot better than that at the time but yeah and i just started making videos from there i just got absolutely hooked i discovered the travel video genre uh, which is very similar to the call of duty editing styles and I actually think that's exactly where they got that idea from, honestly. Hmm. I think there was a couple of Call of Duty editors that started making those videos. And I think people like Sam Colder like, caught on to that. So anyway, those type of videos, like the Sam Colder style, just really cool animations, or sorry, really cool editing, um, quick you know, transitions. Um, and yeah, from there, then I went to film school for a little bit. I saw a, a contest for documentaries. And the reason this was really cool for me was because the main obstacle was trying to get into documentaries was how do i find a subject like interview subject i was like i have no idea like how do i find someone interesting and how do i convince someone for my first ever documentary like hey can i record you and um so they had a list of interview subjects so that like made it so much easier is this camera dying no oh okay i was confused where you looking at that? um so i was looking at they had a huge list of interview subjects and um yeah, and then from there, uh, made that documentary, ended up winning the, the best student uh, film for that contest. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. I was just fell in love with documentaries, man. I loved it. I was actually, yeah, I was going to go in narrative filmmaking as a DP, um, but I don't know, I wasn't feeling it there too much. Go.
1: Yeah, that brings it full circle, I think. It's yeah, like, yeah. Like, that connects so many things that we were just talking about, where it's, yeah. you have the gaming in there, the documentary, and then you have... Uh, where you're going in the future with all these gaming documentaries and that's what you're
0: right it's it's very full circle because it's like now is it the games like the exact games actually like toontown wizard Mm -hmm. um and that's why it was so cool talking to the creators of that game i was geeking out man like interviewing them i was trying to play cool um and then also just the editing styles too of like that very like amv which was like amateur music videos back then where you did really cringe videos of Writing out the lyrics in the chat in game and then you would edit it. It's so cringe looking back but you know, just those kind of editing styles mixed with the topics and uh, well, I Just think, the documentary craft.
1: I think in our business if you don't look back at your previous work and find it cringe worthy Then something's wrong. Oh, That's so cliche I actually think say. you should
0: be doing that I think you should feel that now Every other project. Okay, like I feel like you should look back your last one. Like wow, that was crap in my opinion hot it's take. like huh <laughs> hot take <laughs> well that's my opinion well obviously it's like um it's gonna be like your last project will probably be good right but what I mean is like you want to make sure that your next project almost embarrasses the last one mm-hmm. right or else it's almost just like what was the point that's just uh-huh. how I think of it
1: yeah well whether that's because of your your shooting your editing your mm-hmm. uh, subject matter choice I mean it's I, I agree with you that you should always be assessing your work and always mm-hmm. trying to build it and make it better
0: And you and you always know like what's wrong with it, too yeah, If you're honest you're, with yourself
1: because work is never done like mm-hmm. art, as an artist your work is never complete. It's 100%. never perfect It's always mm-hmm. about choosing when to hit that publish button or that post button and mm-hmm. not oh Hey, this is finally done. And so mm-hmm. I can post it now um, yeah. speaking of like post and editing, I think you're starting up some sort of live stream in the future. Or oh yeah. Pretty soon. Here? So yeah,
0: basically, I mean, by the time this comes out, it's, it should be, you know, uh, out already. So it's just an idea. I'm not hundred percent sure like where this is going to go, but like we said, just trying things right. I realized I was like, you know what? I'm already editing these documentaries anyway. I might as well just live stream two hours a day of me editing it. So I'm doing that two hours a day, um, from 6 PM to 8 PM Eastern time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're interested in editing and especially documentary editing, you know, come swing by, definitely doing like Q&As the whole time. Um, And it should be just just fun, just chill. So That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, though. yeah, Yeah. yeah. No, no, I Mm. I
1: wanted to make sure I mentioned that because, uh, so like if people hear your story from this episode, and of course it's going to date a little bit, right, because... Mm -hmm. Uh, these things stay on the internet mm-hmm. so they, they someone a year or two from now may be listening to this and then uh go and find that you stopped doing the live streams eight months ago so it, yeah for, but for those who are just listening to the show as it's beginning and um sometime a little sooner after that there's a good chance that they might be able to come and hang out and ask you some more questions yeah so yeah, i think hopefully. that's that's awesome that you're wanting to do that and uh, i really do wish you the best thank with, you. appreciate uh, it. with your success there and like we've been talking about, all about trying new things.
0: So, yeah, exactly. Um, Who knows? It might, it might be awesome. Yeah, you know?
1: with, with that being said, um, I'd love it if you'd be able to give your social plugs again one more time mm-hmm. here at the end. And uh, we're, we're pretty much wrapping up here. So Perfect. any final thoughts you want to say before that?
0: No, man, I think this is super awesome what you're doing. I'm really excited. I've always said um, coming back to Columbus especially, uh, there's so many talented people in the city, and I've always wished someone would come along and kind of Elevate organized. the community. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think you're. I think you're doing that. And um, yeah, I appreciate you uh, doing this. So yeah, Absolutely. and my plugs. Uh, like I said, at Egan Visuals on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. I don't you know if Clubhouse ask. is gonna be a thing from now or from two months from now. So that might be kind of funny later. Might so. have
1: you back to talk about that a little bit in the future. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So. Cool. Well, yeah. With that being said, thank you, sir, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Perfect.